for checking out the Card Life Podcast, where we combine four unique views on collecting in today's world. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to the Card Life Podcast. I'm Tud here with my card wife, Katie. Hey, y'all. And then, of course, we have Andrew and Nate, as always, co-host. This is their 10th episode. I know last week we had the Card Life's 10th episode. This is their 10th episode, so congrats, you guys, for making it. Double uh, digits. Double Yay. digits, finally, for the boys. Uh, thank you guys for sticking through all of our shenanigans. Uh, let's jump into the vibe check for the 10th episode for y'all. Let's go with Andrew this week. How was your weekend in sports cards? This is going to sound weird because you know how I'm like 95% football, but I had pickups this past week of F1, Fortnite, oh. and WNBA. Wow. That's kind of all over the place. <laughs> so what you're saying is you're being corrupted by... I feel like that's a very like Tud thing, like get random mail in every day. I like to call it inspired. Yeah. Put yeah. a positive spin on it. But just, yeah, a like, little, just a little flavor added to the... So. Added to the so yeah, what type of the, what type of F one play? So uh, yeah, F one play. We were talking about how like the F one stuff, like the older stuff, isn't like I guess as high as it should be compared to like newer guys. So I, I like right. went into this deep dive of this guy uh, Juan Manuel Fangio. Mm-hmm. I found a couple videos on YouTube on him, and he's mm-hmm. he was like, I just got super intrigued. I don't know why, but some cool stories. He got kidnapped once at gunpoint before a race. And I just thought that was really. <laughs> I mean, who hasn't been? Yeah, I'm about to say that. That's kind of like a stepping stone to F1. I feel like. But what, what team was he on? Uh, well, I know he switched teams a lot because the the companies or whatever they would just keep signing him to get him to win for them because he was so good. Like his winning percentage is the highest all time in F1. So yeah, but I I picked up a couple cards from the 50s. So. Nice. I'm I'm nice. excited about it. There, it's a uh, international purchase too. So okay, I'll, yeah. I'll be waiting for them to come in. So it kind of goes back to what we were saying. Like a lot of the vintage stuff seems to be overseas, so that's cool. It's probably a little bit safer knowing that it's like overseas getting it, like as far as getting it uh, and and submitting it, making sure they're legit and everything. So that's awesome. Really cool, Nate. How how has your week been? Uh, pretty good right now. Chad, who, for those of you that don't know, is my boss at Sports Car Junction. He is out at the Tops Conference in Arizona, so right. I'm anxiously awaiting for him to come back. <laughs> a, so I don't have to work as much. Uh, and B, just to see, you know, what kind of new stuff was introduced out there. Mm-hmm. Get the lowdown. That's awesome. Yeah, I've been seeing a lot of people talking about the Tops Conference. Um, I have a couple people that I know that are going to it pretty uh like that have been attending the events and have been trying to relay as much information as they can uh some pretty interesting stuff i'm excited kind of for the like you know everything that once everything's done and people get to really sit down and unpack everything that happened kind of seeing some of the stuff going on uh i need to kind of sit down and, and just check on all that but really happy with like on the stuff in my sector like f1 looks really good coming up they're not overproducing as far as pumping out products everywhere uh awesome processing stuff as far as the new basketball product that they're going to come out with uh for the uh what is it they're coming out with another basketball tops chrome but it's for that like developmental league yeah or something. the elite, elite overtime league oh. or something yeah 
which is going to probably be a very niche thing, but I do think that just having Topps Chrome Basketball back in general, they're all longtime fans of Topps Chrome Basketball, will kind of be able to scratch that itch that they haven't been able to obviously do for quite a while. So that'll be that'll be kind of nice. Plus, uh, that goes back to I think I said it on a previous podcast. Um, we have Bowman prospects for stuff like baseball, so why don't we have something like that for basketball? And now we're right. kind of getting that, so we'll see. Okay, nice. Yeah. Yeah. So that that should be releasing this year. They already have like the pack art and everything for what it sounds like and kind of the card mock-ups. It looks a lot like uh, what obviously the regular top scrum, I think, baseball looks like, if I'm not mistaken. Um, maybe from this past year or this, I forget, but it'll be it'll be interesting to see when it develops. Uh, Katie, how was your week in sports? I have been enjoying all of the craft ice uh, cards that <laughs> you've been getting in that. Yeah. Uh, that sippy cup Lando is pretty cool. I just yes. think cards like that oh, that are actually. unique. I think those are so funny. And I mean, the nicknames I think are too funny too. Like this is the sippy cup Lando that she's referencing, drinking his sippy his cup. Water. Sippy it's cup. Great. He's got two of them in the set, but this is like the better one. So got a nice little out of seventy variation. I, I also had kind of a girly question. I wanted to ask Andrew how wedding planning was going. <laughs> it's stressful, but it, it's good. It's good. We're we're moving along. Stressful. So, <laughs> with awesome. the the nicknames for the F one drivers, are they? Do Look they cute. at least? So, so these are all like not on cards or anything. No, none of them are on the cards. Okay. So Lacute, Lacute has a card where he's kind of doing like his shoulders why? up a little bit. I'll say, uh, why is he called Lacute? Well, I mean, like uh, he's just objectively probably one of the more have, attractive have you F1 seen drivers. Him? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> even even all the guys uh, in in my F1 group are, are all over Lacute. Um, but he has a card in the set that like kind of got him that nickname in the hobby. Yes. He's got his, like he's yeah he's got like a shoulder up and he's looking at the camera. It's kind of funny, but. Um, well, I guess I'll go. I got my biggest card in today, uh, which I've been really excited about. I do have to give a shout out to uh, Jaff Cards uh, through Instagram and Twitter. Uh, super dope guy. I've known about him for a while. He's in an F1 group that I'm in. Uh, he actually hooked me up under comps on a card and held it for me uh, till I could get the funds, even when a sale went past what he had we had agreed on. So really, ne really neat of him. And he overnighted it to me, which was just like kind of went above and beyond. But I did end up getting a George Russell out of 70 uh, portrait from uh, Tops 2020 Chrome. Uh, I guess it's the Sapphire. Um, really neat card. Excited. I might be taking I will be taking it with me to Dallas. Uh, and I'm excited to see if I can find more F1 over there. So kind of just feel like the last three weeks has been me talking about F1. But this is first race is like middle of this month. And I am just like tuned in. All my boys are going to watch at least one episode of Drive to Survive before the new season comes out. And that goes for Nate and Andrew. Uh, so they may not be on the next episode if they don't watch one of those episodes of Drive to Survive. Have fun getting video. Uh, <laughs> I, I did have something else for my uh, my week. This is Ted's first week full-time in cards. And mm -hmm. I'm just really proud of him for yeah. Jumping into two that. days in, two days in, and I'm already so tired. I've done so much. I feel like I, I found him asleep on the couch when I got home. Yeah, I I'm actually feel like I've done more work like at home than I did like at my actual job with you know cards. I've been calling people, looking at collections, doing all that it. stuff. Yeah. So, but 
yeah, well, we'll move on into the first segment. And this is kind of a Nate-inspired segment, something that kind of just broke, obviously, today. MLB lockout. Officially, season's going to at least be starting late. No real mm, timetable on I saw that. Yeah, no real timetable on when we're actually going to be seeing the first games. Um, I was, I'm was, i kind of happy because we actually have 10, tic- 10 tickets for Rangers games, uh, which we need to fill out. I almost got the first day, but now I'm kind of glad I, I didn't because I don't know how they're going to end up allotting that. Um, as far as time goes. So what are kind of, what are you, what, let's start with Nate, because I know Nate, you're probably more in tune with everything. I know everyone is very, very pissed at the commissioner right now. Everyone's really pissed at the owners. Where do you kind of sit? And like, not only the implications of for the players and all the stuff that they've gone through with COVID uh, and shortened seasons lately, how does this hurt development? And how does this hurt kind of the cards as a hobby for, for baseball going forward? So the first thing I will say is, I'll flat out agree with anyone that says there's greed on both sides. Mm-hmm. I get it. Uh, that being said, I will reiterate something that I said on a previous episode. Rob Manfred is the worst commissioner in the history of sports. He is horrible. Um, but so, so far they have canceled opening day and then the following series after that. Mm-hmm. Um, they're just too far apart on different issues. Um, I think Mm. one of them is being minimum salary. Um, And a lot of people kind of put this as billionaires versus millionaires. Mm. It's not. (laughs) They want that minimum there Mm -hmm. for, you know, the career journeyman uh, minor league guys who maybe they only make it up to the big leagues for half a season or something. Right. Just so that they're not getting screwed. Mm-hmm. Like this is not about, you know, the Bryce Harpers of the world saying, mm-hmm. I want more money. No, this yeah. is about the, the lower level guys. Mm-hmm. Honestly, if it were up to the MLB and the owners, they would probably just get rid of the minor leagues entirely because they do not care. Right. Yeah. And this kind of goes back to, you know, the long term, the long standing like uh, delusion that that minor league baseball players all of them are fine like if you're a professional athlete you're doing fine for yourself um i've known several minor leaguers myself uh and i have obviously done enough research and just been involved in baseball enough to know that that's not the case the the people that get comfortably drafted typically have a good amount of money that they if they're smart they can make it up till they can get that big major league contract which is a grind and some of those people still never end up seeing that um but then you have your like late picks, you have your people that just get signed on. Those people make very, very little money. Um, Grayson Rodriguez, a guy who lives around here, he's a very high draft pick for the Orioles for the Orioles. Um, he lives out of like a uh, out of like a mobile home type of thing. So he can save money till he gets that call because he knows, like, you know, even as like a first round pick, he understands like this money is not going to last me because already even as a first round pick, like that only stretches so far if you kind of just like abuse it. Now imagine the people in like the 30th round and 40th. So, so yeah, exactly what you're saying. Like, I think this is about the minor league stability um, and making sure that those people are taken care of, because I think that there is a lot of respect for the people, especially in the majors, even though they had like nobody started, nobody has gone drafted and made it straight to the majors. I think like Bryce Harper was like the one that was, wasn't it Harper that was like really close. He was, who was the one that was super uh, limited? Um, Strasburg was pretty limited. Okay, that might have been yeah, someone from around that era. But like, mo- like my my point is like ninety nine point nine percent of people lasted decent a couple of years at least in the ma- in the minors. So they all know that struggle. 
Uh, and they know, especially, you know, they've been in the clubhouse with those journeymen and they understand that struggle. And I think this is to really protect those lower level people. Um, it is a little bit silly on my end, um, but I understand with baseball in a position that it is, I kind of feel like the owners and the and, and them are trying to kind of protect their wallets a little bit more, um, which financially, I guess I understand that that makes sense from a business perspective. Um, but the players at the end of the day, I feel like make your organization you got to take care of all of them so yeah that and i know at one point i don't know where it landed because i've seen so many different numbers in the last 24 hours um but the players association wanted a so most people argue for a salary cap mm -hmm. they want a floor right so that way you know Teams can't just run out a horrible team year after year after year after year. Right. You know, you that have to spend a certain amount and kind of make the league more competitive. Yeah. That makes sense to me. Yeah. I don't know anything about all of this, but that makes sense to me. <laughs> Leveling the playing field. But Everyone a, has a, a budget. A lot of the owners have just, they've figured out how to still make money and lose. Mm -hmm. And they just yeah. don't care. Like with the team name? No, just like they sell just enough tickets, merchandise, oh, all that yeah. kind of stuff mm -hmm. to where, okay, we know we don't have to go out and spend money to make yeah. money. So why? That doesn't make it very entertaining at all then. So Andrew, I know that you've kind of been listening and I know you're not a big baseball guy. I, I understand that you're kind of just like taking it all in. Kind of where do you, from kind of a backseat situation, like what do you see about this? And what do you think, like kind of as someone on the outside looking in, this kind of will do in the terms of like the card market? Well, I will say I saw an interesting tweet and it said something like, you know, take the however many 1,200 players that are in the MLB and replace them with other players and you're going to get mm -hmm lower quality product on the field mm. but if you take you know the 30 teams and just put 30 businessmen like just random people in as owners they might do the same job or even better right so i i didn't really know what the big like like you said the minor league people and like the salary mm. minimum and all that i don't really i didn't really know before that what the big issue they were that they were kind of struggling with but i think in terms of cards it might have like an opposite type of thing. Like we're seeing with delayed releases in football and basketball, we're going to see releases that are now ahead of the season, I guess, depending on, you know, how late they end up starting if they do start. I mean, what, what would you say the odds are of it not having any games this year at all? Oh, whoa. Very slim, low. Yeah. Slim. Very, like, very Cause low. At, at some point they, they're going to have to make money. Right? Like yeah. they're going to have to play. So I think what this is, is like from, from a outside, like from someone who isn't as connected and super detailed, and I could just be talking out of my ass for all I know, but from what I kind of have viewed this entire situation as is MLB players kind of finally, for lack of a better word, just sticking it to the man and saying, we're not going to like just, you know bend over and let you guys just do whatever you guys want as far as we want this we want this we want this we're not gonna just let you guys say no this is this and we're gonna go play baseball so i think that right now they're they've made their point that they're gonna hold firm um we might see progressive talks as this starts hitting the uh the really start hitting the budgets and and the the financial toll that the owners take uh and some agreement will, will probably i i would be very surprised if this isn't over by the, the start of next month, I would be very personally, but again, 
who knows? One thing that I would love to see come out of this, I don't know if anybody saw my Instagram stories, uh, with the impending lockout looming, Bryce Harper <laughs> yeah. tagged uh, the Tokyo Giants of uh, one of the biggest baseball <clears throat> leagues in Japan, if not <clears throat> the biggest, the MVP. Um, they said, hey, what are you guys doing? I got a little bit of time. <laughs> and they even responded to him saying, hey, what size jersey do you wear? There you go. If, if some of the MLB players go That's over and play, <laughs> like, you know, That'd be hilarious, they, they treat the, the Japanese league or maybe a Korean league as like their spring training. That would be amazing. <laughs> Yeah. Is there anything as far as like contracts go where they couldn't do that? Or could they like, could anybody just go over and play if they actually wanted to? Like, I'm not sure. I feel like he wouldn't be able to under a current contract just because it's kind of a liability if he goes and plays baseball in another league, right? Like, I I don't know, but. Yes. I know um, in the past, a lot of hockey players have done that when there have been Mm -hmm. hockey disputes um, and stuff like that. So I don't. I mean, I've never read a major league contract. Yeah, that's yeah. I don't think any of us have, to be honest with you. So, um, but yeah, no, it'll be interesting to see what happens with with cards going forward. We just want to make sure we kind of cover that because that'll probably be something that we, you know, baseball. I, I've I've been a little interested in seeing like how much baseball talk I've heard. I don't know if it's just because of obviously we've been hearing about the lockout, the impending lockout now is lockout. Um, but it's been interesting to see a decent amount of people, at least in, in my circles, talking about baseball, getting interested in it. Um, so it shows that people are excited for it to come back. I hope that this doesn't turn people off or away from baseball that are currently kind of wanting to ride that hype train. I know the Wander Franco chase for top series one uh, has been, you know, kind of lulling down a little bit now that the market has set a little bit on like the lower tier stuff. But of course, the numbered stuff is still pretty big. So we'll just kind of keep monitoring it. Maybe next week we'll be talking about how it's coming back. Who knows hopefully hopefully um let's jump into the second thing though and this is another nate inspired segment here we got the nate show today we are going to be talking about pokemon and tcgs um we've had a conversation kind of around this uh on one of our earliest episodes that we did however we did not have this conversation it was the one episode that we did not have nate and andrew on uh so i kind of wanted to bring this conversation back uh, they were they were cheating on us. Yeah, <laughs> we, we want to bring this conversation back, including Nate, have Andrew's input on it as well, and talk about kind of like Pokemon in the TCG landscape and where the collectability is going as far as like towards the future. How is it currently? How does it differ from the past? Just kind of have a little bit of a deep dive type segment into Pokemon and TCGs. Nate, I'll kind of let you kickstart and just bring your own thoughts to the table. Well, uh, you you had very specific questions okay so let's specifically I, I, start yes. yeah i can let's riff off of off of questions gotcha off, I, I have a quick question what is yes. the T- tcg trading card game okay which is what pokemon is but usually so, pokemon, pokemon is like what yeah uh magic you, the gathering Yu-Gi-Oh, Yu-Gi-Oh. things like that digimon oh, is Ted, digimon also Ted likes the magic girl in that one game right Dark magician girl, yes. There you go. That's all I know about. That, that is from Yu-Gi-Oh. That's all yeah. I know. Um, so yeah, specifically, like I want to talk about um, so there's like we've talked about this on the second episode. I do believe that Pokemon, from my perspective, when you have people that transition, like I started in sports cards mostly, um, and primarily do sports cards. When I look at the TCG landscape, I see you know, Pokemon releases like four to five times a year. 
um you know give or take i don't know if it's super consistent i'm not i'm not it's usually around there around that um each each of those releases if if correct me if i'm wrong but each of those releases there are a lot of cool cards that people will chase but the big value cards there's maybe only like one two or three like max like i can remember one or two products i opened there there were only like maybe two things that you could really get that would probably even help pay for the box uh or like uh, go above that um and then just kind of like the like you have your hollows and you have your non-hollows um from what i can tell obviously like your hollows don't have it's not like sports cards we can get a base card and a refractor it's like the hollows are their own standalone hollows they don't have a non-hollow variation of that i know that now you have your super maxes and your v maxes for for the most part there are some instances where some cards can have a non-hollow and a reverse hollow right and a reverse hollow okay yeah so my, when I look at that overall, I feel like there's a lot of limited collectability. I know that when the set comes out and people chase product, like it's obviously really fun. Once people put that set together, I feel like that's kind of the beginning and the end of some people, unless you are more hardcore and you go for PSA and you go for maybe I want to get tins and all these or I'm chasing the Charizard in the tin. Um, but kind of where do you see, Do you, are you concerned as someone really deep into Pokemon or, you know, into some of these other TCGs of like kind of the limited collectability aspect compared to sports cards? Or do you think it's a good thing? Like, where do you sit? Um, I think it's a good thing just because it not self-governs, but it, it kind of l- makes it easier to keep some people out that are just in it for the money. Okay. Um, yeah. Because, like you said, you know, there's one or two chase cards per set. Mm-hmm. But the thing with TCGs is every card that you pull is essentially functional. Okay. That makes it sense. It can be used in the game. Mm-hmm. And there could be instances where, okay, I just want to show everybody up. <laughs> and the the deck that I am building okay, I'm going to replace these four normally like $5 cards with their chase equivalent, you know, $200 versions. Right. So that way you're buying more than one. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. It's it's not like, oh, I just want to go out and get that one Wander Franco rookie. Yeah. Um, Yeah. uh, Now I will say probably about from what I've seen, um, at least online and at the shop, probably 85 to 90% of the people that are into Pokemon either don't know how to play the game or don't want to. And that, and (laughs) that is perfectly fine. Yeah. Um, but again, that's kind of, I I like the price point that it kind of invites Mm -hmm. where you're not getting insane hype. Right. Like the, the most recent set that came out on Friday, everybody's worrying worrying oh prices are plummeting prices are plummeting mm-hmm. whatever okay so roughly 130 dollars a booster box which gets you 36 packs just think of that as a hobby box mm-hmm. right okay so you're spending 130 bucks there's only two cards that are currently selling for more than the box goes for right okay that's fine one of them goes for a wrap they both go for around 200 dollars they're mm-hmm. both charizard cards okay now, there's also a whole slew of cards that sell for $40 to $80. Okay. And you can pull multiple of those in your same box. Right. And even, I, I think the some of the worst booster boxes I think I've seen opened 
are, you know, you're getting 20 to $30 back. Right. Um, and just when it comes to return on investment, that is way, way better than just about every <laughs> single sports product out there. Right. So, yeah, because it's interesting. So, um, and then I'm going to let Andrew talk after this. Uh, the We stopped by our kind of local card shop. It's it's like a it, they mostly deal with T- TCG. They have very little sports. It's it's mostly a TCG shop. Mm-hmm. Uh, I grabbed some some two rows. Uh, and I was kind of like looking, they do a lot of Pokemon stuff. And I was, they were talking about one of the guys was talking to me about the, the new product for Pokemon, which what, what's it called again? Just remind Brilliant me. stars. That's right. Uh, and he was talking about how like the Charizard is already, he said it was already like a $120 card. And Katie, you remember, I was like, it's our, it's only 120 already. And he was like, yeah, it's like around there. And I was like, wow. Like, yeah, I kind of figured that I didn't look, but I was like, that's really cheap. If that is the case, because like when I pulled my Charizard uh, from, uh, I can't remember what product it was. It was probably three ago. Um, but when I pulled that Charizard, it was like 250 bucks. And I was like, guy, if that chart, like I know this product just came out. If that Charizard's already 120 bucks, like even if it's sitting at 200 right now, I feel like that's, uh, I feel like that's really cheap compared, you know, comparatively, which, yeah. which also makes me worry. Like if it's not 120, then cool. That makes me worry less. But even if it is at 200 today in a week, would you agree? It's probably gonna be like around 170 because of how much is probably getting pulled. Like do, does this, does the yeah. downward, flow usually it goes for quite a bit like it usually doesn't go up until psa and stuff starts flooding yeah. into the market a bit so there, there's always a downward flow mm. um but again just the amount of boxes that you see that have multiple you know 10 to 50 dollar cards they add up pretty quickly mm. um and just another thing with pokemon that kind of differentiates it from sports uh, not every single Pokemon is in every single set. Yeah. So it's not like they're flooding the market. Okay, they produce a ton of Charizards. Yeah. But, you know, like for me, my favorite Pokemon is Abra. Mm-hmm. Abra has not been any product for probably 10, 15 years at this point. That's crazy. Yeah. Uh, for legal issues, right? Has it been, or is that the Abra cut? That was because of Kadabra, but okay. if you can't have Kadabra, then there's no point. No point in Abra. having Abra. Yeah, that makes sense. So Andrew, as a as kind of an outset, yeah, just having Abra, <laughs> just have the Abra, and no, it doesn't evolve. It just well, stays welcome Abra. to the uh, the card life magic hour. <laughs> Abra Kadabra. So, so Andrew, so as a you know, you and me are both kind of a little bit. Uh, not as as into the TCG market. I kind of keep keep an eye on it. Uh, kind of as an outsider looking in from it. What what is kind of your perspective? You know, do you kind of mirror mine, or do you think like from like Nate says, hobby is it's it's kind of differentiating from like those that just scalp the product. I know it's still getting ripped off of shelves and sold. Like, where do you kind of sit? Uh, well, I really like the point about the functionality. Like mm-hmm. at the very base of it, there's always going to be that player base. Yeah. Like there's mm-hmm. going to be people playing the game, so you're always going to have you know. Unlike in, you know, sports cards, maybe, you know, there's, I know there's some people, you know, they take all their base and they just throw them out. You know, you're only chasing a few cards here and there, but yeah, yeah, I think, and with like, they spread out there. I don't know if, did they do more releases in 2020 or 2021? It seemed like they did more more... releases last year um, because it was the 25th anniversary of Pokemon. That's right. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's, that's the celebration set, right? 
Yes. Is that kind of because to me, just looking in as a non Pokemon, like I don't know much about it. I, that kind of reminded me of like, you know, your archives in sports or your mm-hmm. uh, like yeah. your your reprints, your throwbacks, stuff like that. Right. So I, I kind of yes. like seeing like I've seen a lot of that stuff now from people grading it. And I, I mm-hmm. like seeing it. You know, you have the, the logo on it to differentiate from the actual cards, because at first people would send those in. I'd be like, wait, is this the, is this the actual? (laughs) Yeah. And different than sports is they did that for the 25th anniversary. Uh, They did something similar for the 20th. It's not like tops archives where we're getting old inspired stuff every single year. Right. Yeah. It's not, it's not like they're beating a dead horse and there's constant like different types of like vintage style, like old school, old school stuff. Um, I kind of have a, curious like because this doesn't extend just to pokemon like i know right now i know that right now like uh this is like the typical discussion as we're talking about pokemon but i think that when you look at Yu-Gi-Oh, i actually ripped a Yu-Gi-Oh box uh probably about six months ago maybe uh i went into the shop and like was looking for some stuff and they said they had like a box for pretty cheap and i was like you know i I used to collect Yu-Gi-Oh, and i just kind of wanted to see what it was like again um pulled my stuff i was pretty happy i love the way that tcgs look hollows on tcgs look beautiful I'm a big fan of, uh, like, you know, the base can get kind of meh, but the hollows, I like the way that different products differentiate. I love uh, old school Pokemon with the way that they have the swirls, like all, all the neat stuff that go into that. So as a collector, I, I appreciate it. Um, do you think that, like, there's any TCGs that have any type of, that are doing it different, but doing it better than the way that Pokemon is doing it as far as, like, potential long-term stability? Maybe they're getting a little bit more experimental with different card types, or do you think, like, is there anything that you see out there besides Pokemon that has potential? Personally, no. Um, I know a lot of people are probably going to say MetaZoo, but <laughs> the the player base mm-hmm. just isn't there for metazoo on the same level i agree um and just and just historically like Yu-Gi-Oh people and magic people have been far far cheaper uh yeah than than pokemon people what do you mean by that just in terms of how much there's less collectors Mm -hmm. and more players uh for something like that so when a product comes out, you're saying like that product doesn't like, I don't want to use the word like it dies quickly, but like the, the market on it kind of isn't there like sustainable yeah. for the box value is what you're saying. Yeah. People are chomping at the bit to really get it and, and raise any of that value, especially modern. What's up? Kids? I Googled MetaZoo and they have a Bigfoot card. They that, do. That's kind of cool. They do have a Bigfoot card. So MetaZoo, which we've talked about a couple times, <laughs> um, kind of like a new TCG that started this past couple years ago like it was a it was a couple, kickstarter yeah it started on ago. kickstarter or something like that if i'm not mistaken um and it's kind of come to the forefront we haven't heard a lot about it lately um i kind of have my own personal reasons why i believe that is the case um i i think that the earliest adopting pieces that will really set the tone for what the pro like people i think people are chasing the black lotus effect for lack of kind of a better representation, um, which at Black Lotus was uh, 1992 for, um, what was it, Magic the Gathering, right? Yeah. Uh, I think it was 1992. I don't want to be off on my year, but like one of the earliest, rarest cards out there, like kind of like a grail card for the set, which Pokemon has in Charizard uh, as well. Um, 
we haven't heard a lot about it lately. I've heard that Tops is taking over some, uh, they're not taking over MetaZoo, but they are in co collaboration with MetaZoo. We should be seeing some retail hitting the shelves. If it hasn't already, I've already seen some type of release stuff dropping. There isn't, like Nate said, the player base for this product uh, yet. But the thing is, is that the player base is like, they're kind of going for this late teen vibe almost. Like it's not really like a youth led thing like you know pokemon you you got like four and five year olds that love the characters from pokemon like they all kind of have the metazoo is a little bit more for lack of a better word kind of edgier stuff like more you know teenagers would appreciate it like the the way that you it's play a the little darker tense. yeah like it's 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 the, the the audience needs to they really need to figure out how they're going to get their audience to be able to make this a success because i think the the core fundamentals of a TCG is to have that player base, like Nate said, that actually plays the TCG because that is the functionality of the product is to play it, uh, which difference it differs in a way like Fortnite. There is no TCG aspect to Fortnite. It is a collectible market because uh, there is no obvious way to play it like you would with Pokemon or anything. Uh, but MetaZoo is going for that TCG fun functionality and there is no audience like i've heard that they have tournaments i've heard that those tournaments people don't really know how to play the game <laughs> it's so new like i i did a like deep dive on metazoo at one point towards <laughs> the end of last year um just so i could have things to back up my just general <laughs> displeasure in the product <laughs> um and like i think i put my numbers together in like october or something like that mm -hmm. and MetaZoo's official website, there's a page for like tournaments and stuff. Right. And there was nothing in the past like year. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And in that same time frame, we were seeing cards and sealed boxes from like the first run of MetaZoo stuff going up in price astronomically, mm -hmm. like 300% increase or something like that. Meanwhile, I looked at like their social media numbers, how many likes they get, how many, you know, people are joining these different subreddits for them. Mm. And the growth rate on most of those was like 120%. Right. So you're so, saying that there's a far outweigh between how fast it's growing and the actual player base slash audience growth. Yes. I don't think the, uh, I'm not saying I wish MetaZoo to fail, I just think a lot of people were, you know, saying or acting like they're these big financial wizards because they got in on MetaZoo. Right. The market increase has literally nothing to back it up. It has no bones, no mm -hmm. structure. It's going to come down. And I think when you listen to, uh, and, and then I'm going to toss it to Andrew, I, I think when you listen to um, the people that are really, heavy on metazoo and i know some of those people that are and some of those people are genuine people that believe in the product uh there's a guy that i know on twitter his name's j bob uh i he i believe really enjoys the product he shows that like he's always ready you know he's, he's ready to break the stuff and he doesn't just like hold it and sell it he he is on some stuff but he likes to rip it and enjoys it um but i do think that a lot of these people that we're seeing like they have a financial reason to believe in metazoo because they are holding either so much stuff or that they went out and found so much stuff to hold it financially to be able to profit from it uh so they obviously have an inclination to say like this is the next big thing. I believe in this, like go buy this, go do this. And uh, not everyone's doing that, but I think that you kind of need to pay attention to who are the ones that are really big believers in MetaZoo. Are they holding quite a big bag? 
there's probably a reason why they're, you know, why they're actually pumping this product quite a bit. Um, Andrew, I want to kind of go to you. So like when uh, there's quite a bit of TCGs out there, I do want to kind of hear uh, just visually and like what you see out there, what kind of, what do you like when you like uh, when you're, when you're looking at TCGs, what products out there do you like? Like, why do you like them? Kind of what catches your eye in the TCG world from someone that may want to jump into the, into their blindly one day. Yeah, I was to say, I don't have any Pokemon stuff myself. Mm. I mean, that's just the first one that comes to mind, just because their whole backbone is just this huge empire. Mm. You know, they have the games, uh, the video games, I should say, the the TV shows, the movies, mm -hmm. like everything like that is kind of what makes it, not to say they're competing with everyone else, but it kind of makes them untouchable in that aspect, yeah. just because of how big they are. But I will say, like, I have actually a couple, like, custom... They're like Pokemon style cards of uh, music artists. Like okay, they're yeah. custom ones done. Like they're not official cards per se, yeah. but they're like custom ones made. So like I've always liked the uh, the eye appeal of the earlier Pokemon stuff. Some of the Japanese right. stuff is cool. Mm. Uh, but I really like like that early stuff, the late 90s. <laughs> I, I kind of want to pick some up. I just don't really know what I would want. Got that Abra. <laughs> But yeah, I don't really know what I would want to go after specifically. I might just try to like pick up a couple things and see what I like. Uh, Cora, yeah. my fiance, has been she has some Pokemon stuff because she sometimes she'll get like uh, the little tins and rip. There's like two Aww. or three packs in them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So yeah. I'm kind of seeing more of it through that, and then I don't know. Maybe I'll start picking some up here and there. I just got to yeah. kind of dive more into it and see what I would specifically want. No, absolutely. After. Go ahead, Katie. Will you? I I. I gravitate towards the pastel Pokemons, which again mm. are the 90s or early. They're the earlier ones, but I think those are very eye-catching to me. So Andrew commented on Pokemon being this huge juggernaut, everything like that. So fun fact, uh, Pokemon is the highest grossing media franchise of all time. Whoa. Pokemon has had more sales, everything like that than Star Wars and the Marvel Cinematic Universe combined. Right. Oh. I actually didn't know that. I don't know how I knew that, but I actually didn't know that. So that's, again, <laughs> that's part of the reason why, like, Pokemon's never going to go away. Um, yeah, no, I agree 100%. Dang. And a lot of people don't realize there, there's, like, there could be a set that comes out next week Mm -hmm. that makes a card from last year that's 50 cents worth five dollars now we don't see that with anything else so None why is that Can it's you because of how why? they play into each other into okay like you could have one card that does one thing but you're like well that doesn't pair well with anything else in the game okay. and then next year a card comes out that like pairs perfectly with that so then you see kind of a tick of people wanting this older card. Huh. Yes. So my question is, is like, do you see this mostly with like your, your, your straight up base cards that kind of are throwaways or is it sometimes like the mid range stuff? So like, cause my, I guess my question is how do you see that rise, that small rise from 50 cents to $5 of a card that's so readily available and so mass produced? Is it typically like the kind of mid tier, maybe like the, 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 reverse the reverse uh, hollows or whatever they call um them. it's it's a little bit of both um part of it is just because 
we can see that jump in a very common card because mm -hmm. it was a common card. Nobody cared about it. It's away in everybody's storage lockers somewhere. So the ones that are available go up in price. Okay. That makes sense. Andrew, did you have a question? I, I feel like uh, I was going to say not to get too far off topic, but when you're making your deck, can you go across multiple like releases and make a deck from that or yes uh so there's two like really big ways to play one is called expanded which is basically you can put a deck together with whatever sets you want there's a certain limit or there's a certain number of cards that cannot be in anybody's deck just because they're too good and people were <laughs> abusing them um and then there's give, standard. Give us, give us one example of, of a card that's like too overpowered and just just uh, for giggles. Can you think of one? Well, Lut Lieutenant Surge is uh, I forget what the the last part is, but you can use in normal play like one trainer card, so like mm -hmm. Misty's Healing Touch or whatever mm -hmm. um, per turn. But this card lets you do three of those if you're losing to the other person and it's wow. when you pair that with some other things, it's crazy. Um, I just wanted one for the, for the giggles. Sorry. Yeah. Continue. <laughs> so standard play is something that I'm actually interested to see how that uh, changes. Cause I've never really been around for a switch. Um, but right now standard play is anything from the sword and shield era, which I think when it's all said and done, there will be 12 different sets that released after they release Pokemon Sword and Shield. Mm -hmm. At the okay. end of this year, they're releasing Pokemon um, Violet and Scarlet. And once those cards come out, the first set for those, no Sword and Shield cards will be able to be played. So you're limited to one set until the next one comes out. And then it just gets bigger and bigger. Okay. But yeah, just... Sense. Yes. I, I have a question. It's about Pokemon's history. So did the card game come before the, the movies and the TV shows and everything, and then everything was just built on that, on yes. the game? Okay. It's a good question. And so it's it's really interesting to me that it it's a game through cards, but it's like a whole world, and somebody mm -hmm. had to make the rules for it and all of this. It's very interesting to me. Yeah, I think that you see several examples of this um, just because like, I mean, and, and like, I think a lot of T some several TCGs kind of do this because like Pokemon, uh, Yu-Gi-Oh had the TV series and yes. the cards and then uh, Dragon Ball Z has cards. I think that it, the cards have stemmed more from the show, obviously, yeah. based on how I like it, my general knowledge. Uh, and you see some other examples of this. I've heard very sparse rumors of MetaZoo wanting to do some type of show. We don't even know where that'll go, but I have heard those rumors um but yeah you kind of see like a lot of these playing off of uh playing off of each other and i think that's how you see the growth in uh in in companies like you know pokemon growing to the size that it is because children love the card game children love the tv show they can kind of feed off of both of those and then of course that trickles into plush dolls and and, and stuff like that of like the little characters like and, a and culture it, thing yeah ever. yeah absolutely because yeah. some of these you some of these like they just end up becoming kind of larger than life type of situations like pokemon where now it's such a huge universe of, of and they keep adding new characters and like it's kind of just the ever evolving landscape it's kind of like fortnite in a way where like fortnite started small and now you just have so many characters and a story arc and stuff like there's a there's a ton of different examples of it it's, it's quite interesting what actually. is the pink fluffy one a jiggly poof 
Jigglypuff. Jigglypuff. <laughs> and, and something else, one of my favorite examples to say to people <laughs> is, okay, why is, you're not going to get as rich or have like the multipliers that you're going to get with sports cards and stuff like that. Yeah. It's far less volatile, but it's more mm -hmm. steady. Like I said, Pokemon's been around for a while. They're mm -hmm. not going anywhere. And Pokemon can't break their legs or tear their ACL. Yes. That is true. Yes. Charizard's not going to get caught with an underage <laughs> Pikachu anytime soon <laughs> oh. or anything like that. that you know, do they, they have like Pokemon rookie classes? Do they ever introduce their characters? <laughs> or is that kind of just like to it an is extent? And and that's, that's another the first thing comes in right. First edition is kind of like the rookie for for kind of, um, which is and another thing with the Pokemon market, it is strictly arbitrary. Mm -hmm. Yes, you have rarities at some points, but it's just okay. The market likes this one over that one. Hmm. Yeah. Like Charizard is the king. Yeah. Very few Charizard cards are actually good in the game right. very very few yeah i think it's just like i i think it kind of comes like i think why i always was confused as to why pikachu wasn't the, the biggest character yeah. is in the thing is is because <laughs> like charizard just appeals to the audience that it, you know charizard's a badass you know like all the kids wanted the charizard it's just a dope character but you know to me it's like P pikachu is like the character I wanted a jigglypuff we have a first edition jigglypuff we have two of them actually uh in our collection which i need to put one in your box but from the, uh, from the jungle set from the jungle set yes i got quite a few first editions in jungle set from a collection i bought um but yeah i, I think that there's like you know the it, it is interesting to see how like you kind of pick and choose what is the kind of like uh and i know i reference fortnite just because i know that market so i kind of and i and i do see some links here and there between tc uh pokemon and the fortnite market so like the black knight is the the fortnite card to get like it is far and away the best thing um it is a what they call a legendary rarity and like the hollows and the cracked ice go for so much well there are a bunch of other legendary rarity cards that are hollows and cracked ice and a couple of them are like you know black knight i just think is like the earliest skin that is a legendary like the most og skin that's kind of why but it's not any more special than several other things as far as pack odds as far as you know how to get it you know whereas in football like I guess it's it's a little different in like sports because you have Tom Brady, but then you have Tom Brady's best card and stuff like that. So it's very interesting uh, to see. I think Katie's taking a group photo of us right now, Sorry. isn't she? Uh, <laughs> I, I, uh, was, so, I was trying. My my cat was almost turning off my computer. <laughs> but it is kind of interesting to see. Andrew, did you have something to? to I was going to say one thing that's kind of interesting, maybe as a TCG outsider that I don't really know a ton about is. You kind of saw it, maybe not directly, but it trickled into sports with, you know, your your tops match attacks, stuff like that. Like mm -hmm. NFL had Showdown in the early yeah. 2000s, stuff like that. Adrenaline XL, that was a big one. I played that one, the NBA yeah. one. Like the, the online account with all your cards in it and everything, but... I used to I think do the it's... online uh, tops. Uh, it was the baseball one that you go to the website and you could do the baseball. They had like codes that were in packs and you yep. could go online. I did that one like so much. Like I was big yeah, on that. I... Andrew, Andrew brought up one of my favorite products of all time. Although he's, he mentioned NFL Showdown, uh, MLB Showdown. My cousins and I just played and played and played. We, <laughs> we still make custom cards because they stopped making them in 2005. Um, but I think... 
if a company like Tops or Panini want to take care or take advantage of something like that, like the train card market, be smart about it. Match attacks. Nobody really plays the game. Nobody cares. Yeah. The reason uh, like MLB Showdown, NBA Showdown, NFL Showdown worked, they were made by Wizards of the Coast. Right. That makes sense. So, Andrew, are you saying like you you think that those are kind of some dark horse potential like in the card market? Is that I know we broke I just, the string. Well, I, th- <laughs> I was just saying I think it's interesting because, you know, some of them kind of died out like Adrenaline XL. But the mm-hmm. 09 Adrenaline XL NBA stuff actually holds some pretty solid value for what it mm-hmm. is like they you have your crack dices in there your uh they have like the the signature cards where they're not you know an actual signature but it's like the, the uh, yeah. mm-hmm. uh forgetting fast, the word right now but fast, similar, that, that's similar. right that's right i used and to I always say fast smile <laughs> <laughs> but yeah i mean i think i just know oh nine i mean plus you have curry hard and some of those rookies in it too yeah. which kind of mm-hmm. helps but it's it's just harder for people to latch on to those because not many people, especially with ones that are coming out now, I don't think as many people are playing the game as, mm-hmm. you know, obviously as Pokemon, they have their huge player base, but yeah, just kind of an interesting parallel. That is absolutely true. Like the MLB showdown community, there's dozens of us at this point. Dozens. Um, <laughs> so many. <laughs> like very cutthroat there are certain cards that still like never pop up and if they do they go for crazy money just compared to the other cards yeah uh nba showdown there's still like kobe cards that are worth a couple hundred dollars from a game that nobody remembers right that's interesting yeah because typically when i see those like i i think they're neat but i typically don't pay too much of a mind i might have passed up over some pretty cool ones in my day for all i know um, so let's jump into, since I guess now we're, we're done with that topic, uh, let's jump into kind of this weekend is going to be a big week for card shows. Uh, I know there, there was some going on in the, in the past few weeks, uh, and we were going to talk about this last week and, and just got shorted on time. So now is the perfect time because we have Dallas and we have Philly uh, and maybe a couple of other sprinkle, but I'm, I'm pretty sure that we are mostly going to be seeing Dally, Dallas and Philly. Um, let's just talk about some card show tips. Uh, we've you. mentioned... Go ahead. Thank you uh, for correcting yourself when you started to say Dally. Dilly. I almost said Dilly. Felt like. Oh. Well, <laughs> it, it, dilly is even is better than Dally at this point. I just never want to hear that phrase ever. Again. Uh, when when we go, we've talked about card shows a few times, just kind of like the ins and outs a little bit. Um, I don't think we've really talked about like kind of a. Uh, not, I don't want to go into another deep dive. I don't want to spend a ton of time on this, but we should kind of give a little bit of our own little uh, tips and tricks on how to kind of just survive through the full day of a card show. Cause it is really taxing to walk around for, you know, if you go up first, first thing and then leave at the end, uh, you're talking about like eight hours of pure walking for the most part with maybe some lunch in between. Um, what are some tips that you guys have as far as just when you get to a show, even if it's a two day show, how to kind of pace yourself some good you know tactics as far as making sure that you can spread uh spread your wings and cover the whole venue and make sure that you 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 get to see roughly every box before you leave uh pack granola bars that that is my first tip pack some snacks uh bring bring water (laughs) uh make sure you're wearing comfortable shoes because 99 percent of card shows out there are on concrete floors yes that is true (laughs) that's very true (laughs) But yeah, 
make sure whatever you're wearing is comfortable. Um, in today's day and age, bring a battery pack uh, to keep your phone charged. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, Especially if you're like, you know, a, a person that is investment focused and you're checking your phone for, for deals yeah. and stuff all the time. You, you'll comps, run out. Yeah, you'll, you'll run that. out. <laughs> battery. So th those are my tips for surviving the day. Gotcha. Andrew, what do you got? I'd say a couple that came to my head right away is make sure your cards and your cash are safe. Put them yes. in, you yeah. know, in your compartment, or your backpack or something, or mm -hmm. just, you know, you can keep it on you if it's, mm -hmm. you know, a tighter pocket or whatever. Because, I, I mean, especially now we've seen a lot of just people have cards go missing, money go missing. And, oh, yeah. But other yeah. than that, I would say, two that I thought of, don't feel like you have to go see every single table because you're going right. to overwhelm yourself with, you know, because sometimes you'll stop at a table and you'll talk to someone for an hour. Mm -hmm. Just or maybe not that long, but like, you don't really know. You can't spend a specific amount of time at every single table. And yeah, absolutely. You're not going to be able to see everything. Mm -hmm. And then don't one for me. That's just kind of personally is don't feel like you have to buy something at every table. Oh yeah. Of no, like, like, cause you know, you can start talking to somebody and you'll feel like, well, now I feel like I should, you know, right. Grab something to help them out. But <laughs> I had to kind of tell myself, like, you don't have to get something at every table. Like you're going to, maybe blow through your budget and two tables and it's like right well. yeah <laughs> so yeah i think that those are all very good points um the kind of some of the stuff that i would say is you know you guys covered a lot of the kind of uh you know keep your money safe that's obviously really important hopefully we don't have any more fiascos like last dallas show uh with with what happened at trade night and the cops and stuff um but i think that kind of some of my tips would probably be geared towards when you're walking the floor kind of some tips to kind of get through and and, and be efficient um one like if you have people you go check you know i'd probably just say when you start the small room is always a really sneaky play at dallas um some shows have kind of like secondary rooms instead of the massive hall of the main floor um dallas has that they have a smaller a smaller section it is around you have to walk a good bit but those are like you know what i would consider the smaller dealers that are paying a little bit less per table and you can find some pretty good deals there um Kind of what I always say is like the the people that are in the big room really know what they're doing. Like they are the big boys of the hobby. Typically, as far as they've been around, they go to all the shows. They have a, a the, typically they have a good flow of how they price their stuff and they do it pretty competitively. Um, so you can still find really good deals. Don't get me wrong, but I feel like you can kind of hit a uh, if you're kind of one of those that looks for plays or you know looks for maybe more oddball items. Uh, sometimes that secondary room is a really good option as far as for me. I feel like I do really well. Um, also, kind of to Andrew's point, don't feel like you have to stop at every table. Um, I like to kind of play the game of I'll just walk through the aisle and kind of do the like back and forth check of these tables. And if something catches my eye, um, you know, stop and check it out. Don't feel like you need to just stop and find that one thing. Um, and another kind of go ahead. Go ahead. Nate. If you find something, uh make a note of what you found and mm -hmm. where it is. Yeah. So that way you don't just have, okay, somebody had a Larry bird autograph that I wanted, <laughs> or you don't just have a note that says like table two forty seven. Yeah. You're not like, what am I looking for there? <laughs> yeah. I, I think that, um, I, I kind of get lumped in with what Andrew's talking about. Like if I chat with somebody, I kind of feel like I need to maybe try to 
purchase something or I feel like I'm wasting their time, which isn't the case. Like they they're there, they're sitting there for eight hours. They kind of want to talk to people. So don't feel like you need to buy anything. Uh, I think it's a really good opportunity for people to, that are like uh, more investment focused or want to do some quick flips or something. What I like to do is I'll go through tables and I'll kind of, I'll kind of check in some showcases and I'll kind of look at some pieces and I'll be like, these are pretty competitive prices. Like if they're com competitively priced on these or they have a bunch of high end stuff and I'll skim through their smaller boxes. And if their smaller boxes look really promising, then I'll sit and kind of look at them. I kind of go through like almost like a check of like, okay, this is promising. Okay. This is promising. Let's dig a little bit in the smaller stuff. Uh, Cause you can find some pretty good gems. Um, usually if they're, if they're showcase stuff or some people don't even have showcases, if they're like stuff that is on the table, readily accessible for you to look at is smaller end stuff already. Typically the boxes are going to be much lower in than that. So you can kind of gauge like the value of what you're looking at before you start really digging and like hoping for big pieces. Um, just kind of some like things to help be efficient through the show. Cause it's a lot of tables and some tables, like I never even touched through a full two day show because I just know they don't have what I'm looking for. Uh, or I know like, you know, pricing is very high on some of this stuff. I don't even want to waste my time. Um, one last thing, and then and then we'll kind of bounce it back to you guys. I I do like playing the game of like if somebody doesn't have their stuff marked, uh, which is really annoying to to begin with because like I have to sit and be like you know I like to I don't want to search because some of them are like oh just pull what you want and then I'll talk or like I'll put it together and give you a deal because I don't want to pull it together and you're way over comp and I just spent thirty minutes doing this and I wasted my time. What I like to do is I'll be like I'll show them like a card or two and say like what are you going to be at on that. And if they're at a pretty decent price, I'll be like, okay. And then I'll pull like kind of a different type of card. And I'll be like, what are you going to do on that? Like something I'm interested in. And if they're in a range that I'm like, okay, this is acceptable pricing. Like I'll give some samples sizes, then I'll dig into a box. Cause I know like, okay, their values are kind of where I'm happy with. But if you would have been like $20 for a card I'm at 10 bucks with, okay. Like maybe I'll just go and, and try to go somewhere else. Um, this is kind of stuff more from like somebody that's kind of does Cause I do, I, I look for a lot of stuff for my collection. But I also like to, you know, flip stuff because that helps pay for my collection stuff. So that's kind of maybe from a more investment flipping minded person. Um, any more things or that now that you I've said some stuff? got me. Katie, Katie, go ahead. I've I would love to hear. Hard shows. Yeah, you sure have. You've made some plays. Yeah, I have. My advice would be to talk to everyone. Make sure they know who your PCs are. Yes. Yeah. And then at every show, they'll ask Tud, oh, where's your wife? And I have yep. this Travis Kelsey card for her. And there yep. you go. That's how you do shows. Katie, Katie has this uncanny ability to be able to get like 40% off the listing price just by smiling. And I don't know <laughs> what it is. I wish I could do it. It doesn't work for me, though. You you lost me at talk to everybody. <laughs> um, and, I and do. The, I talk a lot. The, the people that don't have their stuff marked. In my head, they are the real world uh, in-person equivalent of PM for price. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I, I I get really frustrated with some of the people that, that are set up, but like, it's just, I just love, personally, as somebody who like, I'm a really social person, especially if you know me and, I, and I'm a pretty social person if like I have to engage in conversation. But if, if, if it's like very obvious that we're not going to be able to really link a deal, if I trying to, to work something, I'm probably just going to walk away to be honest with you. Um, just because like time, especially now that I'm like working with DCI, it shows I don't have as much time to really sit like card shows for me are like a lot of work and I do get some time to look. So I'm very like, it, it is, this is a good conversation for me because this is like the type of thing that I'm really going to have to get good at of like balancing my work with also being able to enjoy a card show and still be able to go and, and look at stuff. 
Andrew, do you have any more tips or anything or anything that you can think of? Any stories? I, I have one thing while you're thinking, uh, a cool, there's some, there's a couple tables, at least at the shows that I go to, they have a ton of five row boxes of autographs and relics, like a ton, like, and they aren't, they aren't top loaded. So like, there's a ton in there. Like it's more than you would imagine. Um, at one of the smaller shows, it was really cool. I was kind of busy. Um, and I kind of was digging through some of the boxes and there was a guy next to me and he was like, Hey, like, you know, and we were chatting a little bit and you know, he was a nice guy. And he was like, well, who are you looking for? And I'm like, oh, like, you know, I've got a bunch of PCs, uh, but like, you know, for football, mostly I just kind of like to find Nile Davis stuff here and there. Uh, and he was like, oh, he's like, a, you know, what team? And I was like, oh, chief. And kind of like let him know, like, oh, he's like a 2013 running back uh, drafted. He's got some cards to like 2016. And he's like, oh, and, and I was like, well, I got to I got to run and do some stuff. And he was like, well, if I find any, I'll I'll pull them for you. And then, you know, because he was going to kind of go through all the boxes. He was sitting there. He was strapped in, ready to go for like 45 minutes. I could tell. And I was like, dope. Like if, if you could do that for me, that would be huge. Like, I really appreciate that. And so I do my stuff like an hour and a half later, he comes over to the table and he's like, Hey, I set the stack over by the guy. Let him know you'll be going back. And there's like four or five of them, a couple cool ones. And I go back over there and there's like a couple of nice ones. I bought two of them for 10 bucks and it was like a, a booklet, uh, a patch auto booklet and like a nice strata, like out of 35 patch auto or something. So like just, that saves a ton of time for me. And it was super cool for that guy. One, like, obviously you're not gonna be able to have that situation every time, but like stuff like that, like people are willing to help, especially in situations like that. And I, I was gonna say, I haven't been to a bigger show in quite a while. I went to the Dell show back in, I know it was last year. I think it was May. So that's probably mm -hmm. the last bigger show that I've been to, but I know for some of the smaller shows, it can seem like most of the tables have stuff that's, you can tell they just got into the hobby. Like it's all yeah. 2020. New, newer. Yeah, absolutely. Cause like for me, the stuff I like going through is like, if I find a box of just like mid two thousands football, like yeah. I will sit there and look through that whole box. Oh yeah. No. Like, 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 if, like if, if I see one 2008 football card in somebody's boxes, I'm like, <laughs> yeah. now I have to look through all of them because yeah. DRC yeah. might be in here. Yeah, okay, wait, exactly. y'all all three are the same person right Pretty now. much. Yeah, no, we are. I, I love, because uh, like Andrew, what you said is, is exactly true. Like there are a lot of those that are just like 2020 products. Um, and I think it's really cool to, I, there's a table at Dallas at the Dallas show. I go and he's there pretty much every time. And he has the same two row box of cards and it's all 2007 or 2000. It's, it's, it's your Garrett Wolf, uh, Garrett Wolf's year, rookie year. I think it's 07, right? Uh, Garrett Wolf's rookie year of like patch autos from like this SP and stuff like that. And I feel like he always gets new stuff from that. Era. I don't know why it's such a random year. It's always a bunch of random stuff, but I always look through that box in hopes that I find, he has like a couple mm -hmm. Garrett Wolfs in there, but like he has like him at eight bucks and they're not the, out of the number 25, like or else I'd scoop them. But just like, I always think of that stuff and I pick up stuff for the card homies here and there. Um, if I see something that someone will like, it's cheap or, or whatever. And, it's I always get giddy when I see Nile Davis. I got an out of five at the last Dallas show patch auto from Spectra uh, with the laundry tag. So super, super cool when you when you get to do so. like I'm just a kid in a candy store when that happens. And somebody found it for me. Actually, they came to me and said, hey, there's a box over there. I'll, I'll take you to it that has it. So like if you have you know friends at the shows or like get to know people at the shows like that, you'll you'll get taken care of quite a bit by those people. Anything else from you guys on that? Are we all good? So if I tell you that I know where a box is that has a nice Nile Davis at a show, like I could lead you down like a back hallway, yeah. like take, take take your kidney or something. Hey, yes. No, 
I, I will go to the ends of the earth if you tell me you have a nice now. Depending on what card it was, he might give you his kidney for it. That's true. I, I really might at this point. If it's the super fractor now, Davis, we are talking. We will do surgery if we have to at Dallas. <laughs> um, so we have one more one more topic, and this is going to be Katie's Corner, which we love to do. Love Yay. answering que- Katie's questions that she has for us uh, from a newer perspective in the hobby. So, Katie, what do you got for us this week? What non-sports card collectibles do y'all also scoop up on eBay? Really curious to hear. I think all of us kind of dabble with some type of like non-sports type items. Uh, Andrew, do you want to start? Because I know you pick, you like to pick up stuff here and there. Non-sports? Um, yeah, mainly like music stuff, I guess. I have some mm-hmm. like music artists type stuff that's kind of cards. Some are usually cards, but not nothing really outside that. And then I guess Fortnite, I've I've done a little bit with that. Um, you go for I, helmets too, I think, right? Like you you kind of keep an eye out for some like PC helmets and things like that. Oh, I thought you meant non-sports. Non-sports card. Oh yeah, no, you're right. Yeah, so non. Oh, okay. I, I, I took that completely the wrong way. I thought, yeah, I thought you meant like cards that were not sports. My bad. Um, I like to go after eight by tens, sign eight by tens. I've gotten nice. a lot of them. Like you can get them significantly cheaper usually than cards, and yeah, you can get them of guys who don't have cards too, which is nice. Mm. Like mm-hmm. I have a binder full of bearsons of guys who never got cards, but I wanted. Well, that's auto. cool. Uh, I, I, what else? I have a couple mini helmets, uh, some wolf ones. Got those cleats though. A- I, I do have a cleat. A game cleat. cleat. Tud hooked a me up cleat. back in the day. Way back in the day, Wait, it was like oh, 2014, 2015, maybe. maybe 2015. Yeah, I got Garrett Wolf to literally send him a game use cleat <laughs> that was in his garage, yeah. signed it, he's like, said hmm. happy birthday on it I, to Andrew. And how did you him. do that, Ted? Uh, connections. <laughs> now, that was really cool, though. He was a really yeah. nice guy through the process because I literally DM'd him and I was just like, hey man, like you know, because he knew I think he had engaged with you already prior and like he had saw some of my conversations uh and i think he had saw like we had i think maybe he had responded to me so he knew who i was at least um so i think like he responded because he recognized and was like what's going on right but that was really and that's just cool too because now like he'll occasionally like a post like sometimes you can tag someone and they'll like it but like he follows me so he'll just like stuff if he sees it i'm not gonna i don't i used to tag him and post yeah but i don't i'm not gonna like tag him whenever you're like i have one of your shoes (laughs) he he was he was literally like i think i have something in the garage and he was (laughs) he showed me he had this you can just imagine it like This, yeah. this looks like I used it again, but it's yeah. kind of cool. It has like the tape. You photo mark matched where, it, right? Yeah, because it has the tape yeah. mark where the tape was over it, so the dirt stops. Yeah, and you can kind of tell. Todd, that's so thoughtful of you. No, it was, it was a cool thing. Like, I got <laughs> and it's. I think it's dope because it says "Happy Birthday," and I think it has your name yeah. on it. Maybe I, I don't know if it has your I'm, name. I'm trying but... to I think it just says "Happy Birthday" inscription. Yeah, but signed still, it. That's, that's so. But cool. like, that's like, that's a one of one. You're never. You could have just literally signed like it and said like you know send. But like the fact you did that, I thought that was like super yeah, cool. So I, cool. You should have remind me. I should have. I should have showed it. I know. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't even know that we were we were going to be doing this. <laughs> that's that is why though that engagement is why every time I get on eBay, I have a Garrett Wolf search, and that's why I always hit you up and like, hey, pick this up. Hey, pick this up because I'm always checking eBay and I always see like his his neat stuff. Solid friends right there. What about you, Nate? Um, mine isn't like strictly eBay, but I pick a lot of stuff up there. Um, 
one of the things that I picked up recently back in the late 90s, early 2000s, Pokemon put out um, like dog tags mm-hmm. oh. with different Pokemon on them. So I just yeah. picked up a, a pack of two dog tags That's like cool. in their original packaging for like 10 bucks that had Abra on them. That's cool. Um, other no stuff, Abra? No. <laughs> uh, other stuff would be like figurines. Hey, that's I, don't, I, I don't go crazy over like figurines. Uh, but I do like picking up Halo stuff every now and then. Um, yeah. I just I just got an actual wearable Master Chief helmet. Um, so there's that too. I, I guess I'm stalling until Todd gets back into uh, <laughs> no, 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 to no, no, screen. I'm right here. I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm trying to get some of my pieces that are just examples. So I have a game use. Are you are you done? I didn't want to cut cut off. What you're yeah. Doing. Like I said, my stuff is all over the place. He's like, I, I just, just get me off. The dog tags are cool, though. I've never heard of that. That is cool. Well, you can kind of see that I have some pieces. Katie got me that for, uh, ooh, it's hard because it's backwards. Uh, Katie got me the signed Earl Campbell jersey for Christmas. I'm going to try to frame that up eventually. And I got a signed Earl Campbell poster. So I do a lot of like neat stuff. Um, I guess kind of a eBay tip for some people. What I like to do for people that may not have a ton of product, like obviously if you do this with Patrick Mahomes, it'll get lost or like, you know, stuff like that. But like now Davis, some of these people, I do general searches through eBay. Like I don't just do sports cards. So that way, if jerseys or stuff like that come up, you will see it. And it's not overwhelming to you because they don't have a ton of it out there. Uh, so for, for those of you that have really small PCs, uh, like players that aren't like in a ton of product or something, it's neat to kind of see. So like Russell Lindorf, like um, who's the baseball guy that I collect, I have it as a general search so that if a jersey pops up or something, I'll see it, which is really cool. Um, so I have like a bunch of jerseys of him. Don't have a Nile game used. I have the literal ability to go pick one up if I wanted to because I know who has his like second best game used jersey. I will probably pick that up one day and frame it uh, when I probably get my room a little bit more organized and ready to like, cause I will want to frame it and put it up immediately. Uh, but I also do like other little things. Like I'm a big uh, Borussia Dortmund fan and I'm a big fan of Yusufa Mukoko. Uh, so I picked up this from Europe, Europe. They do these, like they'll send these out in like fan packages because soccer players are actually kind of quite a bit accessible. I kind of equate them to like baseball players um but football it's a little tougher and stuff like that but like soccer is really about community and about their fans so they like to do like even erling holland which is a huge soccer name like signs these and they give them out to fans that's kind of neat to have like something like that so i got that from overseas i have i think the first goal that uh dempsey scored for in the uh for mls and his, as a sounder not just in mls but i think as a seattle sounder um I like this isn't actually a magazine it's printed uh but it's PSA authenticated from a magazine he was on and it's so sick it's that team USA and it's signed uh it's signed by Dempsey which is awesome and I also do like Earl Campbell which is really cool signed uh with the JSA and everything so I just like to do like really unique uh I like to do a lot of unique stuff as well like I like the problem with memorabilia is it takes up so much space. Yes. It's really hard to <laughs> display it, especially if you are married. Um, out in the hallway, I have my signed logic poster that is framed in the hallway. And Taylor's, Katie's Taylor Swift thing, I believe, is all signed pieces also in the hallway. We do collect Taylor Swift. Yeah, we we, we, we are Swifties. We, we um, also collect um, um, cutouts of famous quarterbacks. Yeah, we sure do. He's sleeping on the job a yeah. little bit. Today. I mean, I, I like photos also. I completely forgot because I don't have many of mine. But one thing I like about collecting voice actor signatures is with the 8x10 photos, 
I can get them on like the role that I like that they did. That is cool. Yeah, I do. Yeah, I like um, that. that I've uh, I'm looking at right now a sixteen by twenty photo of Deadpool signed by Stanley. That's oh, cool. that's that's sick. really cool. Um, in the hallway next to the kitchen, I have a sixteen by twenty Halo photo signed by the voice actor for Master Chief, Steve Downs. That is cool. So, my my. Yeah favorite piece i've ever owned and i'm so like i still to this day besides my now collection having to sell it in college this is like the piece that breaks my heart that i had to sell i had the team signed 1969 1970 kansas city chiefs super bowl team on like a huge movie poster that had like all of them featured in a photo like it was like a cool custom piece and it was only limited to like 300 or something like that or 250 um I got that like way back in the day. Andrew, you might have remembered when I got that I at say, least I remember, roughly. I think I remember that. But that piece was sick. It had everybody except for obviously some of the ones that may have passed away. Uh, I think maybe Buck Buchanan might have been one of the ones that wasn't on. I forget. A couple of like the the greats weren't on there, but like all the main ones um were were there, which was insane. I've looked to try to get one again because I would love to, and they are very expensive now. So uh but maybe one day we'll make we'll make it work again. I was going to say, while well, we're kind of going back around, I remembered a, a couple more too, but I like to get like sealed, uh, like albums, CDs of the oh, artists yeah. I like. <laughs> and then also another thing is I probably have like 10 of them. I like to get like blown up canvases of like album covers. So it's yeah. not like an actual album cover, but it's a blown up like. That like is cool. Yeah. They might be 16 by 24 or something like that. 16 yeah. by 20. But I had to move up. I had to move some of them to another room because I had to make some room for uh, some cat pictures, some like cat oh, art yeah. and stuff. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. But they're they're still on the walls. So. Did you get the? Did you get the? What was it? <laughs> did you get the Nathan the Vasher the the drink milk? I, I did. I didn't. I'm. They're Come still on. there. I I'm, I think I need to now. Just He's so like I I'm eyeing it. <laughs> next time it's gonna be up there on the wall. <laughs> but it's huge, isn't it? It's I know. Like it's, it's like a six foot tall poster. Of this guy like drinking milk, uh, it's like a got milk type commercial. Uh, I might have to ad. get one and like put it down to the floor back there, so he's just like peeking up over the table. That's funny. Yeah, <laughs> I think we all just need people peeking behind us. Put it above your bed, so every day when you wake up, <laughs> it's just, no, thank I, you. I don't know if I'd get approval for that one. He's got the. I was about to say he's got that fiance now. Yeah, yeah, you kind of have to change it up when 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 that happens. So. <laughs> No, it's it's okay. Um, but yeah, no, I it was some great things. Hopefully, we answered. Katie, are you trying to get into the memorabilia game? Are you trying to get some non-sports stuff? Not, or maybe some. Sports I think the cases? memorabilia side is so cool. Like I said, I, I, it does interest me, but it does take up a lot of space. Yeah, it does take up a lot of space, and wall space is kind of precious. It is, yes. In my room, you may not think so because there's nothing on the wall, but that will probably change pretty soon. <laughs> I'm actually the thing that is behind on the floor is my uh, is my like card where I display my cards. It's not hung up yet, but it's been there for forever. But eventually, it'll get put up, and and we have a couple of those that'll be super neat. Um, well, I think that'll probably be all the time that we have for today. I appreciate you guys stopping by. You didn't have a choice, but thank you for stopping by. And all of you guys who did have a choice to stop by and watch the episode, the 11th episode of The Card Life, we do appreciate you guys stopping by. Of course, if you are watching on Spotify, we always recommend to look at our beautiful smiley faces most of the time on the YouTube. Uh, and you can look at that at The Card Life on YouTube. Uh, thank you, guys. And we will see you guys next week where Nate probably will throw a tantrum because we may need another Nate rant episode if the uh, MLB is still on lockdown.
Rob Manfred is the worst. <laughs> All right, guys. Y'all have a great evening. We'll talk to you later. Peace.